right where you are. Amen? So come on, get up on your feet. This is our tradition here. Let's go to Psalms 137. Psalms 137. Look at your neighbor and say, it's going to get good now. It's going to get good. It's going to get real good. Somebody's going to get delivered today. Somebody's going to get healed today. Somebody's going to be set free today. Come on, chains are going to break today. Cycles are going to come to an end today. Psalms 137, verse number one says, And by the rivers of Babylon, there we sat down and we wept. And we remembered Zion upon the willows in the midst of it, and we hung our harps, for there our captors demanded of us songs, and our tormentors mirth, saying, Sing us one of the songs of Zion. Here's their answer. How can we sing the Lord's song in a foreign land? That that phrase there, if you understand it in, in, in some of the, the, the Hebrew context there, they were saying, how can we sing the Lord's song in a place of disappointment? How can we give God praise when our hearts have been crushed? How can we sing the song of the Lord in what many people would describe as a wrong season? A wrong season. I want to draw your attention back to verse number 2. And it says, And upon the willow, the willow trees, in the midst of it, we hung our harps. Hanging your harps is a sign of defeat. Here we are in the midst of a bad season. Here we are living in the midst of utter disappointment. So we're hanging our harps as a sign of defeat. Well, I want to tell you this morning, I've got a word for you. The word that I heard the Holy Ghost say to me this morning, it's not time to quit. It's not time to quit. I wish you find about three people that you don't even know if you know them yet, good enough to push on them, but push on them anyway and tell them it's too soon to quit. It's too soon to give up. Come on, touch them real good. Just touch them and make them nervous and say, it's way too soon for you to give up now. It's not time. It's not time. I'm going to find me a church here in just a moment. It's not time to give up. It's not time to quit. The Bible says, I want to pray for you before you sit down, but the Bible says in the book of Ecclesiastes chapter 3, it says there's a time for everything. I want to tell you, this is not the time to quit. This is not the time to quit. Let me pray over you. Father, we thank you this morning for what you're going to do in this place. Lord, you're touching hearts. You're touching lives. Lord, you're revealing your, yourself in a greater magnitude. Lord, we thank you for what you're going to do in this place. Holy Spirit, we draw on you. Holy Spirit, we make a demand on that anointing this morning. Holy Spirit, you're the preacher. You're the teacher. You're the revealer. You're the communicator. You're the revelator. Lord, thank you for what you're going to do in hearts. Thank you for what you're going to do in lives. Thank you, Lord, for the spirit of endurance, for the anointing of strength now to come upon your people. And Lord, we give you praise and glory for it. In Jesus' name I pray. And everybody together said amen. Come on, everybody together said amen. Amen and amen and amen. God bless you this morning. You can be seated. Let me just begin to work on this just for a little bit because we're not, I don't think I'm going to preach long, but we're going to pray longer. <laughs> Hallelujah. 
Hallelujah. We find in our text this morning where Israel, who has uh, been held captive now by the Babylonians, they are, they are in a state of captivity uh, under Babylonian rule, Babylonian power. And here they are being held captive by, their, by these Babylonians. And they're sitting by the rivers of Babylon and they're mourning and they're weeping because, because all of their hope has been cut off. All of their hope is gone. They no longer, here they are, sitting in a place of disappointment, sitting in a place of defeat. They no longer have a vision for the future, and their expectancy has been reduced to nothing more than a memory. That's the condition that they find themselves in, and that's the condition that we're reading about today. So here they are sitting with no hope, no dreams, no song, and no desire, no ambition, and no faith. They are sitting at a place of disappointment. They are sitting at a place where all of their hope has been cut off. And I want us to get this picture this morning. Here you have the chosen people of God who had been living in the land of promise, living in the promises of God, but now they're being held captive in a foreign land. Now they're being held captive in a setting or an environment of disappointment. And all of these things have begun to settle in on them. And they said things like this, Oh, how we remember Zion. We remember how it used to be in Jerusalem. And here they are forced now to remember the way it used to be, but having no hope for the way it should be. They were forced to live in a foreign land. They were forced to live in a disappointing season, and now they're facing the unfamiliar with no expectation. Throughout their journey in this particular point of history in their life, their thoughts were, how can we sing the Lord's song in such a place of disappointment? How can we lift our voice in expectation to anything good? We are living in a failed season. We are living in a very disappointing season. They were saying things like, how can we sing the songs of a former glory when our land is desolate, our homes are ruined, our lives have been devastated, and our future has literally been cut off? How can we sing when there is no life inside of us anymore to lift our voice? When we no longer have joy, and there's no expectation in contrast to the way it used to be. I'm about to get to where I'm going. There are many people in this building today, I believe, under the sound of my voice, you may not be Israel in that time period, but you are sitting in a disappointing season. You are sitting in a place of frustration, and you are sitting in a place where it feels like your future has been cut off. 
And here you now find yourself with nothing more than a memory of the way it used to be, but not enough faith in you to get to where you need to be. And let me say it to you this way. If your memories are stronger than your dreams, you will never risk anything in faith to get to where you need to be. If all you can do is keep dwelling on how it used to be, you're never going to take one foot in front of the other and believe God for the way it can be. And if you're not careful, you will simply give up hope. You will lose control of your confidence. And you will say, if this is the best that it's ever get, then I just quit. But I came here to tell somebody. I really came to encourage somebody. It's way too soon to quit. Whatever God has started in your life, he's not finished with it. If you're breathing, you still got a chance. If you've got, if you, if you, if you got any kind of breath left in your body, God is not finished with what he started in your life. It may not look good now, and it may not have been very good in your past, but your future is better than your past. Your present is better than your yesterday. And whatever God has started, he is a covenant-keeping God, and he will fulfill the promises over your life come on push on somebody real good and tell them it's not time to quit it's not time to quit when your memories are greater than your dreams you will always be tempted to stop risking and reaching I don't know if it's just the way I'm wired or if it's just the, the, the God nature that I've developed over the years of my life. I, I really, I don't have no discernment either way. I don't know how God does a thing. But I don't want to be stuck in a yesteryear when God has so much in front of me. You ever wondered why even in your car or your truck, why your windshield is so much greater than your rearview mirror? Because you spend more time looking through your windshield than your rearview window mirror, right? And now, now you can be like some of them crazy folks on the highway. You can drive looking in your rearview mirror all the time, but you're going to hurt somebody in your future. And y'all know there's some cray-cray people out there. People, there's some people that don't know how to drive. I don't even know how they got their license. They surely didn't get it here. I don't know where they got it from, but they need some help. But your, your, your windshield shows you more of where you're headed than what your rearview mirror shows you of where you've been. You can see more in front of you than there is behind you. And I just came here to tell somebody God is about to do something in your life that you never thought was possible. And it's way too soon to start singing the songs of defeat when God is about to release something greater over your life. I wish you'd high five about three people and tell them God's taking me somewhere. Come on. God's taking me somewhere. If, if, if you stop, if you stop, if you stop, if you stop dreaming, you stop reaching. And I'll just say this, and then you start risking. And faith, faith is never present until there's a risk. Faith is never present until there's a risk. That means for some of, this, some of us in this building today, you're going to have to risk being hurt again. You're going to have to risk being vulnerable again. You're going to have to risk being lied to again. You're going to have to risk failing again. 
you're going to have to risk stepping out and believing God again because faith will never show up until there's a risk. Because if you can plan it, if you can organize it, if you can manipulate it, don't call it God, don't call it faith, just call it your ingenuity. And what God is doing, I'm trying to help the church in the 21st century. What God is trying to do in the body of Christ, in America especially, is let you know that it doesn't matter what you've been through. It doesn't matter what the environment looks like. It doesn't matter what our nation is doing, even though it's all jacked up. At the end of the day, God will have a people. God will have a remnant that will say, I'm not just going to sit here and hang my harp on the willow trees. I've got a song in my heart. I've got a song in my spirit. I've got a praise on my lips and I refuse to be defeated by an enemy that has already been defeated come on tell somebody I refuse to stay right here now I refuse to stay so in other words they were saying we're going to hang up our hearts I wish I had time to work this out I'd probably be preaching a little bit better I'm just work with me all right just work with me because I, I want to get to a point here they, they, they were hanging up their hearts based on the condition of their present moment. Too many people give up on God based on temporary circumstances. Too many people walk out of their marriages, walk away from promises, give up on their businesses, give up on where God has taken them based on the immediacy of the moment. The reality of that moment that they were living in had become, had become more real than the reality of God's promises over their life. And so many times, if we're not careful, we get trapped in a moment versus the promise. The circumstances began to dictate to them something that was contrary to God's word. If you're not careful, you'll end up putting more faith in circumstances than you do the Word of God. Somebody said, well, the circumstances are real. Yes, they are. They may be true, but it, not be, it might not be truthful. I can't deny the reality of my moment. I can't reject the, remote, the, 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 the reality of my moment that I'm in. But the truth of God's word is more powerful than the truth of my circumstances. And I may be here right now. And I may be going through something right now. And I may be dealing with it right now. But the truth is he's made me the head and not the tail. The truth is I'm more than a conqueror through Christ Jesus who loves me. So I may be in it now, but that's not where I'm going to stay. The only reason why people stay in their mess is because they give up too soon. They quit way too soon. So, so this, this, look, with me, look with me in Jeremiah. I want to show you something here, just a couple of verses. I got a really, I really, I, I sent Pastor Corey and those guys a bunch of scriptures. I, chances are we won't get to hardly none of them. But, but I did send a bunch of scriptures. My outline, as pitiful as it may have been, it was a bunch of scriptures at attached to it. Jeremiah 29, this is the word of the Lord concerning the people that were trapped. Jeremiah 29, 10 says, For thus saith the Lord, When 70 years have been completed for Babylon, I will visit you, and I will fulfill a good word to you. And I will bring you back to this place. For I know the plans that I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans for welfare or for good, 
and not for evil or calamity, to give you a future and a hope. And then you will call upon me and come and pray to me, and I will listen to you. You will seek me and find me when you search for me with all your heart. I will be found by you, declares the Lord. Here's the word, and I will restore. I will restore your fortunes, and you will gather And I will gather you from all the nations and from all the places where I've driven you, declares the Lord. And I will bring you back to the place from where I sent you into exile. God was prophesying that the day would come that he would make good on his promises. In other words, don't get caught up in your moment. Don't get caught up in your circumstances. I've already put a word into the atmosphere. I've already put a word into your future. And you may have to be there for a season. But don't give up in that season. Because my word is true. My word is powerful. And it won't be long. And I'm going to bring you out of destruction. I'm going to bring you out of disappointment. This will be on the screen for you. The promise is always more powerful than the existing proof. Hmm. The promise is always more powerful than the existing proof. You remember that story in 1 Kings 18 when, when, when Elijah had that showdown with Jezebel and, and, and all her people there, the prophets of Baal and all that, and then the fire of God fell, licked up the sacrifices, and then Elijah went up he started to pray. Elijah started to pray because the land had been in a drought for three years. So Elijah goes up to the top of Mount Carmel there, and he's praying. And he sent his, ser- sent his servant to go and look. And the servant came back and said, I don't see nothing. The report of nothing didn't shake Elijah. Elijah was only requesting what God had already told him to do. When he's praying for rain and the proof says there's no sign of rain, you have to have more faith in the promise than you do the proof. And he told his servant, just keep going back. And the Bible says, and the servant went back. When the proof of nothing, this, catch this now, when the proof of nothing is visible, you have to stay anchored to what the promise has already declared. When, 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 when the visibility of nothing, if that even makes sense, can you have nothing and it be visible? I don't know. But the visibility of nothing, the apparent nothing that has taken place in your life, don't mean that God ain't working. Don't mean that the power of God has been defeated it doesn't mean that God's not working behind the scenes even when I don't feel him he's still working you remember the song it it, it doesn't matter what's going on in my now what matters is I've got a word in my heart I've got a word in my spirit and I don't have to be moved by what I see I don't have to be moved by what I feel but I have to be moved by the word of God and when you get a promise from God on the inside of you the visible evidence may be screaming against you there ain't nothing there but Elijah kept telling the servant you just keep going back you keep going back until you see what I've already heard and 
And he kept going and he kept going until he finally came back and he said, I saw a, hand, a cloud the size of a man's hand. And Elijah said, that's it. That's it. You better gird up your loins because there is about to be a flood. There's about to be an outpouring. There's about to be an abundance. And I don't know who I'm talking to today, but I believe God is trying to say to you, the promises of God in your life are more real than the proof of nothing that is existing in your today. And you got to get ready because there's about to be a Holy Ghost move of God. There's about to be a flow of God that's going to come through your life. And I'm telling you, God is not finished with his product. Push on somebody. Tell them. Tell them now. Tell them it's too soon to quit. I'm going to preach in a minute. Hang out with me. Hang out with me. You have to come to a place that even your present picture, your present reality, when it screams nothing at you, you have to come to a place in your life. Make it up in your own mind. Somebody talked about spiritual warfare. My mom was and I were talking about it the other day. Spiritual warfare. You know, spiritual warfare, you know, you know, it's not all up there in the heavens. There, there's a lot going on up there, but the spiritual warfare for you is in your head. I'm not saying there ain't no war and stuff going on up there. Of course there is. Of course there is. There's, there's angel activity. There's demonic activity. There's all kinds of stuff taking place. But the war for you is in your head. And if you can convince your mind to believe God, there ain't no war out there for you because that battle has already been defeated. Jesus Christ has already settled once and for all that eternity is, has already been won through the blood. Healing has already been conquered through the blood. Breakthrough has already been conquered through the blood. Sin has already been dealt with through the blood. And if you can convince your mind to think like God, you won't have another big warfare going on other than just walking in victory, singing the song of the Lord and saying, look what the Lord has done. Hallelujah. I could throw this mic and run right about now. The lack of visual proof didn't override what Elijah was carrying. Let me put it to you this way. You may have proof in your body that there's a disease, but the promise is you're healed. Come on, I'm just going to throw it out there like I don't care. I'm just going to throw it out. I'm, I'm telling, tell, I, I don't care. I don't care because I trust God more than I do anything else. You may have proof that your marriage is bad. That may be proof, but the promise is he's a restorer. Amen. You may have proof that you got some financial struggle, but the proof is, I said it at Offering time, he's Jehovah Jireh, not El Chifo. Somebody thinks that God's just playing around with us, making us suffer. Are you crazy? Uh-uh. He's the God of more than enough. And, 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 and it's selfish to think that all you need is enough because then you don't have enough to give away to help somebody else. You may have some kids, prodigal sons. Particle daughters or young kids at the house are acting like they got full of the devil. But the promise is your household shall be saved. 
Amen. I, we used to tell, Karen and I did it. Remember, my girls were little. No, Brittany must be in the back, so I'll talk about her. <laughs> Vanessa, Vanessa was speaking in tongues at the age of four or five, so we, 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 had, a good, we had a pretty good beat on her. She's gone. She's good. Brittany, on the other hand, required much prayer. I remember Karen and I, we'd walk in her, her bedroom there. We'd lay on that bed. You ain't going to be like that. You ain't going to sow your wild oats. You ain't going to be jacked up all your life. We were warring over a promise even though the circumstances didn't line up with it. We were letting the devil know you trespassing. You trespassing. This property don't belong to you. It never has and it never will. And you, you are a usurper. You, you are illegal. You can't come up in here illegally. You are illegal. And you have to pray prayers like that. You have to declare things like that. And you have to keep putting it into the atmosphere of their dwelling. And you have to say to the circumstances, this may be the way it is right now. But the future is brighter than the present or the past. And you keep, you keep moving in advancing until you see the breakthrough. What I like about Elijah, and I really didn't mean to go that far with Elijah, but what I like about Elijah, he didn't need it. He didn't need faith for it to rain. It was already promised. What he needed faith for was to get beyond the existing proof. He needed faith to get beyond the servant's ability to see what he had already heard. Because your circumstances will define you. I think Pastor Carlos said it a while ago, oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. Taste is the experience. Seeing is your perception. I don't want to just, I don't want to just have a, a wrong perception of God. I want to have the right perception of God. And if, not, if I'm not careful, what I'm going through right now can define my world. Come on, America. If we just let what's going on in America right now, it'll keep defining us. But we have to be bigger than, our, bigger than the evidence of what we see. You have to be bigger than the economy. You have to be bigger than the government. Come on, you have to be bigger than those things. And I'm not saying those things are not important. All those things are. They all have their place. But I'm telling you, it's all subjected to the kingdom of God. We don't just live in an earthly planet. We live in the kingdom of God. We live, on a, we live on a different playing field. We live in a different realm. We have a different way of thinking. We're not moved by what's around us. We're only moved by what we believe. And I choose to believe the report of the Lord. Who has believed the report of the Lord? And to whom has the arm of the Lord? been extended to that's how we believe so I'm not I'm not moved I'm not moved I'm not moved. we were over there with Pastor Ryan uh, last night and, and and I just I told him said listen I, I said Ryan I said listen man listen you got help don't worry about that but put some hope in the people who don't have what you have Huh? Because all, they're caught up in their tragedy. They're caught up in their... And it is bad. I'm not making light of any of that. I mean, some of them don't even have a house. It's been totally gone. Some of them won't even be able to get back to their homes because it no longer exists. I'm not denying the reality of the tragedy. But I am saying God will make it better. God will put you in a better place. God will push you forward ahead. It doesn't matter what you lost. It doesn't matter how bad it's been. God is not finished with what he started. You have to know that in every word that God has ever 
spoken over your life. He spoke it to be fulfilled. Whew. Man, that's a mouthful right there. Every word of God spoken over your life, God spoke it to fulfill it. He's not teasing you. Numbers 23, 19, God is not a man that he should lie, nor the son of a man that he should repent. If he said it, he'll do it. If he spoke it, he'll bring it to pass. One translation says he'll make it good. John 21 says, not a word failed of any good thing which the Lord had spoken to the house of Israel. All came to pass. 1 Kings 8 says, blessed be the Lord who has given rest to his people Israel according to all that he has promised. There has not failed one word of all of his good promises. Come on, is your faith building up right about now? Isaiah 40 says, the grass withers, the flower fades, but the word of God stands forever. Luke 21 says, heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will by no means pass away. If God has said it, then God will do it. Don't hang your hearts up and say, well, this is the best it's ever going to be. It might be for you with that kind of language. I'm looking for a brighter day. <laughs> I'm looking for a better day. I'm looking for a glorious day. And it doesn't mean we're going to be absent of trouble. It just means that we're going to, we're going to, we're going to move through it better. In case you didn't know, trouble is here to stay. The Bible says it rains on the just and the unjust. It's not about the trouble. It's how you handle it. Amen? So every believer... I won't have to stop here pretty soon because we need to pray. Every believer is faced with the challenge to navigate their way between the expectation of God's word and the fulfillment of God's word. We have to navigate that realm. Most people don't lose hope in the initial side of the expectation. And most people never lose hope in the fulfillment stage of the expectation. Most people lose hope in the in-between stages, between what God said and what God's going to do. We lose hope in the in-between places. It's in that area between believing and receiving, between expectation and manifestation. That's where most people lose hope. It's in the in-between stages. You left, Can you left Egypt, but you're not in Canaan. You've been prophesied over, but it ain't been fulfilled. You've prayed, but the answer hadn't arrived. I'm just preaching to myself. You received the word of promise, but you're not in that promise. You know, according to Scripture, that by his stripes you're healed, but your healing's not manifested yet. It's in between stages. It's the place where you know God said he'll make you the head and not the tail, but you still feel like you're dragging up the rear. It's in that place where he said, I'll supply everything that you have need of, but you're still in one. It's the in-between 
places. It's in those in-between places that we have to be careful that we don't abandon our hope because of what God has already declared just because we don't see it. If you lose hope, let me help you now. If you lose hope, you don't have nothing for your faith to be exercised on. If hope is gone, I promise you faith has been gone. Hebrews 11.1 1 says faith is the substance of things hoped for. And it's the evidence of things that are not yet seen. Hope, the biblical definition for hope is the earnest expectation of something good. If you lose hope, you don't have nothing for faith to work on. And that's what I came here to work with today because the battle is over your hope. The battle is to make sure you don't lose hope in the conflict. Proverbs 13 says, hope deferred makes the heart sick. But, but, but when desire comes, it's a tree of life. The, 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 the New Living Translation says, when dreams come true, there's life and joy. Come on, dreamers. Look at somebody next to you and say, I'm still dreaming. I'm still dreaming. I'm still dreaming. My best days are in front of me. You have to be careful. Because if you're not careful, when you're in a disappointing season, come on, Israel, when you're in a foreign land, you will hang up your harps on the willow trees and you will give up. And you will say, what's the use? Nothing ever gets better. And here's the tragedy. You begin to lose your song. You begin to sing to a different tune. You will spend your days mourning and weeping over a season that is subject to change. I have to admit, I don't like every season I find myself in, but I just chalk it up as God that it's a season. Seasons have a beginning date and an expiration date. The Bible says God's the one who changes the times and the seasons. I don't get to do that. I just flow with God. And, and what I'm learning about God more and more, that when, when the Bible says the steps of a good man or a good woman are ordered by the Lord and he delights in their way, the way I take that is that so no matter what season I find myself in, I'm still in a good place with God because the season is teaching me something. The reason why God leads me into a season is so that he can show me something. He can reveal something. He can, he can manifest something that I could not have gotten had I not been in that season. The season, you have to understand, the season doesn't come to destroy you. It comes to educate you. And the only reason why you're in certain seasons is because you were promoted from your last season. And God says, I can trust them in this season. Come on, Job. It don't matter what the devil wants to do. You can survive it if you put God in it. So it doesn't matter what the season, I like to say it this way. I may, it may not make a whole lot of theological sense, but it does for me in my interpretation. I, I, like to, I don't believe there's any bad season in God as long as I'm connected to the vine. 
As long as I've been engrafted into the kingdom of God, as long as I have been transferred from the domain of darkness into his marvelous light, I'm never in a bad season. I may have some bad weather, but I'm never in a bad season. It can thunder. It can rain. It can pour. It can be all kinds of nasty weather in my season. But as long as I'm connected to God, I'm going to come through my season. Come on, Jesus. He was led into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil, but it came out with some power. How many are ready to come out of your season with some power? That's the way he does it. That's the way God does the thing. So I'm not moved. I'm not moved. This is where we have to be. It's not that it doesn't trouble me. Karen and I are facing things right now. It's not that that's, it's not disturbing. But what it makes me do, it makes me push back down into the reality of the promises of God that are greater than the evidence of my season. And the wind may be blowing. The waves may be beating. There may be all kinds of turmoil and chaos. But as long as I'm connected to him, I'm going to be all right. Come on, look at somebody tell them, I believe you're going to be all right. No, that was weak. Tell the other person on the other side. They didn't respond. Tell them, you're going to be all right. 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 Hallelujah. You're not careful in those disappointing times, seasons, however you want to label it. You will spend your life reaching back, remembering what it was like, and never reaching forward to what it can be like. I grew up right here, Clouston, like many of you did. Went to Clouston High School, played ball here, all that, all that stuff, and and. You know, I, I've been removed from high school for like 10 years. <laughs> well, y'all don't believe me? <laughs> I just see if you're listening. <laughs> I've been graduated for a long time. I still run into some friends of mine that we were in school together, and I have to call them high school Harry's. Because all they, all they can do is think about how they were in high school. I'm like, man, I left that day. I got some good memories. But I left that day. How many have been around long enough to glad that you ain't in high school no more? I got some good memories. I'm not saying it's bad. I had a good time. It's all good. I'm not saying it's bad. I'm just saying I'm not going to be stuck even in the good. But there's some people that just, that some people that are still moping around because they, they didn't get homecoming king, court, queen, whatever. They wouldn't, they wouldn't, they didn't get selected. What, I don't know, you know, you know what I'm talking about. They broke up with me. Oh, Lord, help me. That's the end of the world. Are you kidding me? That's the beginning of your world. Mic check. Now, when Karen broke up with me in high school, that was the end of my world right there. That was the end of my world right there. I knew it. I knew it. I knew, I knew she was the God-ordained woman. I said, you had the will of God. You breaking covenant with God. You're supposed to be with me for life. She said, I don't care what God said. This is what I say. No, I'm, just, I'm, not, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. She didn't say. But she did take my class ring and throw it across the campus. Tell me I'm lying. Tell me I'm lying. You know you did it. You know you did it. You know, it, it, it wasn't a big deal back in those days. But, like, for me, like, 200-something dollars was a lot of money because I had to mow a lot of yards to get my class high school ring. And, then, you know, the, the girls, if you were dating somebody, they put all that yarn on it, you know, so it tightened up on their finger. When she broke up with me, she took it off. She said, and walking down the hallway, <laughs> I watched it. 
I said, what? <laughs> I took off running. And I'm on my hands and knees between class periods. Oh, Lord, help me find my classroom. Covenant breaker. That's what she was, a covenant breaker. But you know what? God redeemed it. She got back in her right mind. <laughs> Came back to her and says, I'm sorry, you are the man of my dreams. <laughs> I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. I'm just look. I got that look. Okay, let's move on. Let's move on. But some people are still living in those days. <laughs> How I got there, I have no idea. Y'all help me get out. Who wants to go to lunch with me today? She ain't, I know. Who wants to go to lunch with me today? If you're not careful, you'll spend your whole life rehearsing your past. And just like Israel, they were rehearsing the former glory. How good we had it. How good the worship was. How good the temple was. How good it was to worship God in our own land. And they were rehearsing what they had, never knowing that God was going to project them to a greater day, a better future. And you may be in Babylon for a little bit of time, but buckle down, hunker down, believe the promises of God, and come out with your head held up and say, look what the Lord has done. Ain't he been good to me? Hasn't God been good to my family? Hasn't he shown up? Hasn't he done a miracle or two? Has not God been faithful in the midst of all my striving, in the midst of my chaos God has been good to me he said we don't how can we remember how can we remember the songs of Zion how can we remember all those glory days that's how that's all we do remember we can't we can't think of nothing else and I just want to help somebody today if I can If you stay stuck in what happened then, you'll never embrace your now, and you'll never move into what's ahead of you. You'll stay stuck. And it won't be long, you'll lose hope. Because hope can only hold out for a little bit. Hope, hope, hope deferred makes the heart sick. And I believe all over this, I won't have to quit because it's time. I know we got to go. But I believe all over this building, God wants to restore hope. And let's just face it, we've been in a, a jacked up world for, for several years now. Our whole world is jacked up. It's not just what's going on in America. We just got crazy stuff going on because of bad leadership. And it's been that way. It's been that way. It's it's not just because of the current. It's been that way for years. But the church should never be defined by government. Should never be defined. And the church should never advance its future based on current circumstances. We advance based on the word of God. Don't let the enemy rob you of your song just because you're in a place of disappointment. The foreign land is a place 
I'm going to say this last thing and then we're going to worship for a moment. The foreign land is the place where you learn to trust the timing of God's word over your life. Sometimes if you're not careful, you'll lose your song because you're trying to change the time. And sometimes God puts us in a foreign land, a disappointing season, so that we can learn to trust the timing of his word because here it is. God's timing is perfect. God's timing is always on time. I think I said it last week. I don't remember. Maybe I did it. I said it, Pastor Lonnie, whatever I was preaching at last. The um, only, only God could show up to a four-day dead Lazarus but yet be on time. So when you thought it was over, God's just beginning to get started. That's why it's too soon to quit. It ain't over. Remember, the, it ain't over until the fat lady sing. It ain't over until any lady sing. It ain't over until God says it's over. Come on, stand to your feet. Can we pray for a moment? Come on, Pastor Porter, won't you guys come on? I didn't get to end it the way I felt it, but I'm going to get there. While you're getting ready, the worship team's coming. Let me just say it this way. When I'm waiting, that means I'm trusting. When I'm waiting, I'm trusting. Don't be fooled by my weight because I'm trusting. People can judge you from the outside in, but God's going to look from the inside out. And the world will say, well, you need to be doing this, you need to be doing that. The world will run you crazy. But when I'm waiting, I'm trusting. Even when I can't track him, or even when I can't trace him, I'm still trusting. And I choose to believe what God has said about me over the evidence of my nothing. Because he's not a man that he should lie, nor the son of a man that he should repent. If he said it, he'll do it. If he spoke it, he's going to bring it to pass. In Jesus' name. All over this building today, can we do this just for a moment? I asked the worship team, Pastor Porter, if he would help me here. Because I really believe, I really believe there's an anointing of encouragement. Anointing of hope that's about to be reestablished in your heart. Because God's not finished. He's still working. He's still working.